And we're live. <laughs> Welcome back to Boober and the Nooch. What's that? Uh, I think it was actually, that was the Crank Yankers fake radio show and they would call people. Did you ever watch Crank Yankers? No, I've never even heard of that. You didn't watch Crank Yankers on uh, Comedy Central when you were a kid? Babe, I, hi, have you met me? So it's like, <laughs> they do prank phone calls. It was out of Vegas, so you could do, like, that's where you could do crank phone calls. Mm. And then they would have Muppets do the parts. Oh, God. And it was like comedians, like B-list comedians doing prank phone calls. And they would call out, they would, it was somebody, I don't remember who it was. They would call out people and be like, hey, it's Boober and the Nooch. And they would ask them a bunch of ridiculous questions. You know, like morning show stuff. Uh-huh. Why, why would you do fake? Why could you crank calls out of Vegas? Uh, out of Nevada, you cool. could. They had like a the law was different there that you could like solicit people or call. It's like a, it was a thing. That's where a lot of like uh, call centers, are. call centers and stuff like that were. Oh, so I need to be angry at Nevada for all of the um, numerous reasons. spam calls that I get. Yeah, Nevada is Nevada, a, Nevada, Nevada, whatever. Nevada, tomato, tomato. Let's call the whole thing off. You know, Sawyer. Hi guys. Welcome back to the show. We haven't been here in a fucking hot minute. Here's an update. Connor says sawyer and liar. And we got in a huge fight like at 4th of July because we're going over to his friend Kristen and Ben's house and or our friend Kristen and Ben's house and they have a daughter named Sawyer. And he tells me this whole thing about how his parents are going to call her Sawyer because he grew up with Kristen Canton in Graham, Texas, and she talks like me and blah, blah, blah. So we get there and she's like, here's Sawyer. <laughs> no, but then she said, she says, my up. mom calls her Sawyer. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how you say it. That's how it's spelled. It's just like, but her own mother do? doesn't call her that. I'm not concerned with what her mother does. <laughs> I do. I follow my own heart's desire. I'm living my truth. Oh, we know. Oh, your truth. I'm living my truth. And my truth is that it's lawyer. Mm-hmm. It's Sawyer. Sawyer. Like Tom Sawyer. No. Not Tom Sawyer. Mm-hmm. No, that's not correct. If you are listening to the show, I need you to take a video of yourself, however you think that it should be said. <laughs> and then I need you to tag us. Please put this on your stories. And I'm going to take a poll and see how many people are on Amasad. Thank mm. you very much. Okay. There you go. So sorry for missing like months of shows, guys. We've been a little preoccupied. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Uh, It started out with, oh, let's just take a little time because whatever, whatever is going on. And then it just kept going and I never put it back on the calendar. So things never stopped stopped happening. No. They persisted. They got more intense. Connor proposed. I did. We going to get married. Yes. That is going that is in a, like that two is, months. Oh my god, my head's gonna. I know explode. we did it really fast. It's really fun. We did so lots of well, people. You did it really fast. I, all I had to do was propose, and I just like Jesus take the wheel type of situation. <laughs> you said let's get married in October, which was four months from when we got engaged. Yeah, so, but you also, of course, I went or, for it. It was either that or twenty twenty three. I'm not waiting that long. I know. So the world but, might not even exist in twenty twenty three. Like look at where things are going here. Amen we're gonna to be that. In, we're gonna be in a, dis- t- t- a detention center for. Our, using our, our free speech that will be taken away. I know this show's not going to survive. <laughs> um, okay. So let's rewind. Let's talk about the engagement. Yes. Okay. So tell everyone, like there was a whole thing with the ring and the creation and the, I mean, all the was, stuff leading up to it and you keeping secrets so well, which is kind of creepy. Not going to lie. It, well, it, didn't, it wasn't hard. Am I that dumb or well, what? Well, the thing was like, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> Uh, I think that, so you had a very specific ring situation that you were interested in, but you also the rings that you picked out of like had on Pinterest and stuff. I didn't feel like were suitable. 
they were like trendy and cute, but they weren't going to like stand the test of time. I think there's like, there's a place for tradition and like traditional things like a wedding to me, a wedding or an engagement ring needs to be like square around, like square or round, like these. not like oval with a bunch of little thingy, you know, like that whole thing. And you wanted a moonstone. So I talked to my friend, Scott, Scott James, Scott James Jewelry at Scott James Jewelry <laughs> on Instagram, hit him up. Uh, and we just went back and forth and like had a discussion. And he was sending me stuff and I was like, I don't like that. But it was also the most like, I was in a mood. You, were, you would ask me like, why are you so stressed out? I'm like, nothing. It's just, it's fine. You were so stressed out but all the time, really randomly. So it was, cause it's just so stressful. I'm like, I'm about to buy this thing. And then like, if she doesn't like it, I have to be okay with that. But then I'll be, my feelings are going to be hurt and all this stuff. So that was like a whole rigmarole. And then I, f- I finally got to a point where I was like, okay, this is it. Fuck it. Like I had, cause I was asking people for advice. I was asking Lindsay for advice. She was giving me terrible advice. It was like the worst advice of all time. And then she was sending me stuff back and I was asking Amy about things and just like these different people that we are friends with. And I was like, you know what? Fuck everybody's advice. Like I'm just going to do what I think is best. And that's what I ended up doing. And it worked out. So I got this thing and then we were going to Hawaii and I was like, huh, Hawaii is so cliche that so Kelly cliche. will not expect me to do it there. So if I could do it in a non-cliche way in Hawaii, that'll be great. And then your brother will be there and his wife, and it'll be a whole fucking thing. It'll be really fun. So essentially when we got there, because we had a lot going on. We are in Oahu, and then I went hunting for a few days. And I wasn't going to do it until I went hunting. But you got to keep in mind, I was like, okay, I'm, in a, I'm on Molokai, which is like a little town, basically, on an island with 8,000 people. Mm-hmm. And I was hiking up mountains and doing different things and, you know, butchering animals and doing whatever. And I had to keep this ring on me the whole time. <laughs> the whole time. I can't believe you did that. I had it in my hiking pack. I had it in a fanny pack. It was just, I didn't trust leaving it. I was like, if I, I would rather lose it out in the woods than have it get stolen, like, by somebody that, like, that was cleaning the room or something. Totally. Like, that just happens. And then there's like, you have no recourse. And I don't know. The reason I did that was because Molokai, they don't like Hallie's on Molokai. They don't like white people. They don't like tourists. They don't like any of that shit. Mm-hmm. Right? That's just not what they don't give a fuck. Like, the fact that I'm like spending, you know, we spent like $5,000 to go hunting and all this other stuff, like, doesn't matter to them. Zero. That doesn't even calculate. It's like, you are not from here. Fuck you. That's like, and that's how you get treated there. It's very weird. I've never been to a place where it's like, I've been to places where they're like annoyed, you know, but not like, openly hostile. It was very strange. So mm-hmm. I was like, they're going to have, like, what am I going to do? Call the cops who also don't like us? Like, it's not going to do a thing. So I'm just going to keep this thing on me the whole time. So we're like hiking all around, putting like 2000 vertical feet up this mountain, chasing after goats and, and axis deer. And I've got, I'm like, I'm always, every time we'd stop, I'd check and make sure it was still there. It was like Aww. the whole, all day. And your, your brother's like, I can't believe you're carrying that thing with you. And I'm like, well, I couldn't leave it at the hotel for the same reason. He was like, yeah, I would do the same thing. Okay. So when did you tell Steve and Michael? Um, there's a little airport that you fly out of to go to like Island to Island. That's little Molokai airlines. And you go to like, you can go to Maui on those, or you can go to Lanai, which I think I'll do one of those next time. Probably Lanai. But, um, he was in the bathroom and I like, I was sitting with the bags on a little picnic table out by this little airport hangar thing. And then, uh, he walked up and I just kind of like slid it over to him. We just talked about it for a minute. It was fun. It was cute. So cute. Me and your brother get along. So that was good. Scary. I, was, I underestimated his ability to hike and he was, it was really, I've, since I'm such a good one, I have like, like focus on certain specific things. So I'm like good at certain specific things where your brother is just like a fucking animal. Yeah. Like, he well, he's just, in the Coast Guard. He was, so I assume, he's been training for his whole life. Like his body, he's a freak. Yeah, I understand. But like, I'm like, I'm thinking like this dude like spends a shit ton of time in the water. Like he's like a water dude. He's definitely more of a water sport person. Yeah. You should have seen him play baseball. But then he was, then he was yeah. <laughs> well, it's different than like just like grinding up a, up a mountain. And also like the, I was so, it was one of the, 
So when I go elk hunting out here and stuff, I'll put in like in between six and 10 miles in a day. And I'm at elevation. I'm at 9,000 feet, 11,000 feet. Like I I can fuck between the two. And I don't usually have a problem with it. My feet will get pretty beat up and like you get sore, but like it doesn't slow me down really. Or I'll take a, I'll take a day. I just kind of take an easy day. That heat though, I was not, I just didn't, I was like, oh yeah, I'm fine. I'm from Texas, right? Like that shit does not exist inside me anymore. Like it was so hot in that sun. I was just, and I shot a, I shot an animal at the base of the mountain on the way up. And then another one on the way up. So we were carrying all this, all this meat. I was just, by the end of that day, it was one of, that was one of the hardest hiking experiences, probably the second hardest hiking experiences of my life. And I was on new terrain, almost falling down everywhere. It's crazy. But we get back, we get done. Then I'm just basically carrying this ring around in a fanny pack for the next like several days. Well, so Steven's girlfriend, Avery and I went from Honolulu to Kauai right after the guys left to go to Molokai. So she and I were on Kauai alone. The weather is beautiful. We're going around and the whole thing. And then for the next three days straight, it is pouring rain all day long. So you get to Kauai from Molokai and it's just raining. So we can't really do anything. So you're like, kind of SOL on where you can do this thing. Yeah. I don't really know much about what it is. This is not my, it's not my, like to me, it would be disingenuous to be like, oh, we're going to go do this place at this time. Yeah. Whatever. I'm like, oh, we'll just find a place and you know, we'll just hike up a little, we'll get a good view. We'll do whatever. And your brother and, and sister-in-law knew. So we ended up at this place called Queens Bath, which I'm sure some people are familiar with. Cause like a, it's a pretty cool spot. Yeah. So we hiked down this little muddy trail, which is really cute. And then, um, we're down there and like, it's like all black rocks, which is pretty cool. So we find out where it is. Cause we, like everybody's like, thought it was like the, like where the waves are crashing in, which is and, super like, killing where people. some people were in there, which is like, they like are very familiar around water. I would not get in there. It's not my, I'm terrified of water. Like I like being in the water, but like rough water or like, I don't know. I've, I've been that way since I was a kid. I don't fuck with water. <laughs> but then, yeah, so we had this little spot. We get over there and it's like a pool where like the waves crash over and create like a big pool that you can jump into. It's probably like seven feet deep at the deepest. So you can like jump into it. It's pretty cool. It's really, really pretty. And there's little fish swimming around in there. It's great. And so Steven pulls out his camera, which I was like, oh my God, he's going to blow it. Kelly's going to figure it out. You were so oblivious. It was absurd. I was like, this is whatever. Well, because Avery, you didn't know this, but when we were in Honolulu and you guys were gone, she was telling me all about this camera. She was like, yeah, we're so grateful. My mom's friend gave us this camera. We're going to test it out. We haven't really used it. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. I'm like, great. We're at Queens Bath. Like, of course they're going to try out their new camera. Yeah. So I had already been like prepped to not think about it. So when you were like going down the rocks to get in the water, I was right behind you, like pulling the ring out of the box. And then I put it in my swimsuit back pocket and zipped it up. Cause there's like a zipper on that pocket, which I had planned pre, I was like, make sure to have a, a cover on your pocket. Cause one of them just has like a snap and one yeah. of them has a zipper. So I wore the zipper ones. And then we, yeah, we went across and I was like, go over here. And I was like being super weird. Cause I was like so trying to weird. get you to a certain spot where it was really cool, which was like on this little point on these rocks outside but there's probably like 50 people like at queen's bath just like jumping in the water messing around so i get you out there and i'm like stand on this rock and like it was i was like i you know at this point i'm super nervous i wasn't nervous until like this (laughs) moment i'm like oh my god this is happening uh i was like it'll be fine whatever like it just is what it is and i'm like i'm having a panic attack (laughs) so we start singing aladdin (laughs) yeah so i started singing i was just like doing anything to get you to stand on that rock and just like he's holding me from behind on this rock and he's below me because i'm up on a rock so his head is like 
eight inches below my head and he's holding me from behind singing me a whole new world (laughs) i was like well it's connor like this is normal i was trying but the thing was like while i was doing that i had my hand in my back pocket and the ring was stuck in my pocket so i was trying to like get it out so i'm just like trying to kill time so you don't realize i'm just like being weird back here like trying to get this thing he was like stuck on a piece of like thread in my thank god you didn't accidentally drop it oh my god no i was on top of it and then as soon as i pulled it out that's why i I showed and then i put it in front of your face because you whatever and then i like put it on my pinky finger I was yeah. like really adamant about not dropping. And those waves around. Like you could have just like, you know, it could have actually really gone to Ariel could have had it as she in her little <laughs> in her little cave of things <laughs> with her gizmos and whatchamacallits. <laughs> yeah. So he puts it in front of my face. I'm in utter shock. Like I was so confused. And it's so funny because we had talked about getting engaged for two years and we're about to get pregnant. It's not like I was going to say no. It's not like I was, oh, I can't believe we're getting engaged. It was, I couldn't believe he was doing it at that moment. I was totally oblivious to it all. And so I feel like I took 20 minutes to turn around. What was it? Like 10 seconds? But it felt like so long. And then I turn around and Connor's down on one knee and I was like, holy shit. I've also been talking shit about marriage for like oh, the, yeah. the two months leading so up to So he's it. talking shit which made me believe that he was doing something. At first I started getting nervous because I was like, oh no, is he starting to panic and like really not wanting to get that married? That was also true. And then I was thinking, oh, well this is Connor. So he's probably making a huge deal about how stupid marriage is because he's getting ready to propose. So that's kind of where my head was, but I didn't think it was going to happen then and there. Both things can be true at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we took a bunch of pictures of swam in this little pool and had a good time. And then went and had. Did you tell uh, everyone what you said though? You didn't say, "Will you marry me?" What did you say? Oh, what did I say? You want to do the thing? Oh yeah, (laughs) you want to do the thing? Yeah. And then I didn't say yes. I literally, I just took the ring off of his hand and started putting it on my finger, and I was laughing because I was just so in shock. And then all these people are screaming and cheering. Oh yeah, the people were cheering. That was it. Was so cute. And then. We were kissing and saying, I love you. I love you so much. I love you so much for five minutes. And then he finally looks at me and he says, you didn't say yes. But although like, there was a bunch of girls that were probably like in between like 16 and 22 yeah. that were out there. I think they were like with families and different things. And they were one of them. They were all, they were all like verklempt. They were like, oh my God, that's so cute. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. It was really funny. Yeah. I was like, okay. I was like, it was weird. Because it was like weird. We're like. Now we're just hanging out with these people and they're like, everyone's the staring like, at us. Yeah, the girls were like, oh my God. And yeah. I was like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So we were in the water. We took a bunch of pictures and then we walked back and we went and got pizza. Was it pizza or celebrate. sushi? We went to get pizza, remember? Oh, we had sushi earlier that day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good stuff, good times. That was crazy. And so then. Oh, then, but earlier that day, <laughs> earlier that same day, we were at a restaurant that turned out to be a vegan restaurant, which was kind of lame. Yeah. But Sorry, um, vegans. Yeah. Not it was just, us. I was like, oh, I really wanted like eggs and bacon and I have to have, eat this asahi bowl. <laughs> I was like, it's good, but this is not really what I was going for. Mm-mm. But for whatever reason, I opened up Redfin, the app. It was just Because like, we so were random. talking about buying houses in Kauai. We were yeah. like, oh, it'd be so cool to have a house in Kauai. And then you got on Redfin because you're like, oh, I'm just going to look at houses And this now. house had been on the market on Redfin anyways for two hours. And I was like, oh my God, this house is super cool. So we were looking at it and then we sent it to our friend Meg, who's a realtor here. And then... No, Connor said, my intuition tells me this is our house. And I was like, oh, okay, then this is our house. I Whenever Connor goes there, whenever he gets into his woo, I listen because it's very rare and he's always I just right. had a feeling about it. And yeah. then... um. So we got back from Hawaii like two days later and then we came out here on zero sleep. So we flew overnight and I can't sleep on a plane. So I had like maybe like 30 minutes of sleep and then I took a nap mm-hmm. and then we came out here 
checked out this house. It's on three and a half acres. It's cool. It was built in the 70s. And I've got my little detached studio that we're in right now and it has turf. And it's really, it's just an interesting, like, we've got animals running around. What animals have we seen so far out here? Oh, I, I forgot to tell you, I saw the fox again. Oh, um, finally. Yeah. She's is back. It, is it her? Is uh-huh. it? Okay. So she was, she was coming up our, the main street up here. Yeah. And just running around. We haven't seen her since well, we first I think moved she, in. I think she has babies. Oh, okay. I'm curious, I'm waiting. I'm excited to see the little ones. I kind of want, I was like, I want to kidnap one and make oh it our, God, make it our God. pet. No. Foxes fox, can be domesticated. Not here. We don't need to do that. The well, fox stole, started stealing Theo's bones the first few days. Yeah. They were, anything the dogs left outside was that was so like, funny. that was, yeah. So she, she just like, while we were sitting outside talking to our neighbors and the fox comes and just steals his bone and runs off. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's cute. It was like okay. 10 feet away from us. It was like, there was not, I think the people that lived here before ate it. So we've seen, well, the mountain, the, the mountain lion. lion was here before we got here, I think. Oh, it was. So it was like right, right. It was before. like 60 yards from our house. There are mountain lions out here. There's black bears out here. So many deer. deer. I've seen elk on the way up. Elk don't usually come this far into the canyon. Lots of different birds, turkeys. There's a ton of dove out here. I've actually got private land hunting tags for this area. So we'll see if I end up posting up in our backyard or not. Kelly's not so stoked on that idea. If y'all could see my face right now. But there's so there's there's a little bit overpopulated. They're like our pets. They're a little overpopulated, Kelly. Spike? Spike. Who, who told Spike? me? Mark told me to name all of them so you wouldn't kill them. You can't tell them. There's that old girl who, who just walked I in know. front of my shed the other day. I know. She's so sweet. Yeah. And all the babies are around now. Yeah, the fawns are all out right now. It's the funniest thing about being like a hunter. I don't know if this is like a common thing. Other people out there that are hunters can tell me this. Without When I see like fawns, whether it's elk, it doesn't matter. Elk, bear deer, any, any babies, right? Especially when they have spots on them. I'm like, oh my God, I want to snuggle you. And then once I see them, it's like that same animal could be like in three years. I'm like, you need to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the weirdest, it's like the weirdest change. It's not even at all the same. Yeah. It's so, so weird. But um, yeah, we've got tons of animals out here. It's a really cool house. The dogs are having a blast. I've got like a bow range set up and a little golfing situation. So it's like a playground and it's amazing. So the lives have changed quite a bit. Yeah. We're having our housewarming this weekend and we're so excited. We talked about our quality of life changing, living out here. And it was so funny because we were on this mission. We were like, we have to find a house. We have to find a house. And we weren't finding a house. And then we talked about moving to Austin and then we bailed on that idea. And then so we, glad that didn't fucking happen, by ugh. the way. And then we were kind of like, you know what? Let's just fuck it. Not look anymore. And then out of nowhere, you find this house that checks every box. And ever since we've moved here, I had a hard time when we first moved out here. My nervous system didn't know what to do being in the quiet. And it was so funny because I thought, oh, I'm going to be so much happier. I'm just going to be in nature all the time and it's going to be great. And it took me a while to adjust to this life out here, to being out here where we cook every meal and there's so much more space. And there's lots more to clean because this house is like a thousand square feet bigger than our other house. And we have like so much land and there was a lot to do, obviously moving in. But I come out every day, every morning with the dogs. I let them run around while I drink my coffee and I sit in the grass every afternoon with them. And all you hear is birds chirping and there's deer everywhere. And it was a lot for me. And it's so funny when you think, oh, this is going to be the thing. And then you have to adjust. Like your body has to adjust. Your mind has to adjust because it's just so different from everything I've ever lived in. And now I finally have settled in and I've noticed just how much more peaceful it feels. And witnessing you and your joy out here, I said this to you, I think two days ago, I was like, you're so much happier now. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize how much you needed this. And I don't think you realized how much you needed no, this. No, no, no. What has that been like? 
it's weird. It's different. It's like it's just a different quality. Like I grew up on, so I grew up on about this much property, not in the mountains, obviously I was in Texas, but like it's very similar. Like it was funny. I was journaling the other day and it was like, just sat, like it's just sat, it's just projects all the time. There's always something you can be done. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. Is and that a like, good thing or? I like it. I think it's fun. Then I can, I don't know. I like doing stuff like that. Like I have to take down the stupid electric fence that the previous owners put up and it's going to be a like three day long deal that I have to deal with. But it's like, oh, that'll be fun. Like it'll suck, but it'll be, it's a thing to do. You know, I don't know. It's weird. And I have to like buy these new stuff and I gotta, I gotta get a snow plow for our driveway because our driveway is pretty long and they don't plow that. So I've got to figure out a way to do that. It's like, learn. it's always learn. It's just learning stuff because there's a lot of things that I knew how to do just from growing up on a little bit of property and just like the maintenance and what that takes and having a septic tank and what's that, what that's like, I've had that experience before, but not where we're going to get, you know, hammered with snow. Like that's a new, it's a new phenomenon for me. So I don't mm-hmm. know what the deal, you know, we've already fucked that up at our old house and had pipes explode. Yeah. That was not my fault, but you know, um, throws me under the bus at any chance. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I didn't realize how much different it was going to be and how much more it suits me. And I can also just like shoot my fucking bow whenever I want out to however far I want to shoot. It's like the weirdest, it's the weirdest thing. It's just so much different. I think, you know, some of the conversations we had around moving to Austin was around having friends and being able to go do things and going to a gym and going to events and having friends around and just the accessibility and it's been a struggle since we moved here because right after we moved here, COVID hit and I already had a, a base of friends and you hadn't had a chance to meet a lot of people. And I think it's so interesting now that we live here, it's like our friends come over, you have guys come over and come shoot with you. Both of the neighbors are hunters right next to us. And so, you know, you can talk to them, they'll come up. We have a gym here. You have access to doing everything you want. It's just so interesting how much has changed in less than six months just by us moving here. And you, it's like you, the, the life that you dreamed of has been curated. And so a lot of the issues I think we were having before and conversations we had just were negated immediately. Well, yeah, a lot, one of the reasons we wanted to move to Austin too, is because we were going to have kids and we wanted, you know, certain type of schools and different things like that, but that all exists here. You know, like our friends have, I think are Ben, are Ben and Kristen trying again? I think they're talking about it. Yeah. So it's yeah. like all, everybody that we know and, and Joe and Meg are too. Like it's, yeah. our, it's like, our, so we're all going to have like kids around the same age. It's all kind of worked out. Yeah. And it's like, this is the place for everybody to come run around and do whatever and play spike ball and sauna and ice bath and whatever. It's great. Yeah. It's weird. It's just kind of all happened, but it was like the, the same things we wanted. I have very strong feelings about Austin. Like my experience in Austin fundamentally changed who I am as a person and I give it a, in a good way. But it's different now. And it's just like, it's, it's it, like, it's a bunch of people that are like B to D list celebrities who have very hokey houses with like a cowhide rug and they like are living the Texas life and freedom. And I'm like, guys, you don't even know what the fuck Texas is all about. You're like, want to play it. You want to like play the game. You want to pretend and that's fine. But it annoys me because it's like, it's, it's funny because it almost is in a weird way. It's like cultural appropriation. It's just annoying. Oh my God. It, it very much is. It's like, it's like, oh, it's like, so it's like these guys are like gung ho about like, their gun nuts, right? Like all of a sudden they can't, they grew up in California or something. And now they're like, I have 17,000 guns. And I'm like, what? You've been shooting guns for six months. Like what are we doing here? Like I got my first gun when I was six years old. Like it's just a different, yeah, I, I, grew, but you I grew up in that Don't world. be a dick about it. It's if, fine. If it's, it's their hobby fun, and they I like understand. it. I have hobbies too, but it's like it's not fun for me to be around it because like, these are all things that I, 
I grew up in a world that they're like, it's like growing up in the chocolate factory and then Willy Wonka comes in arena and you know, it's like, it's like you, I'm, I'm used to it. Right. It's just like, it's like, it's not, it's and now, not and, novel. And it's, being, it's like what you do to them. It's a novelty yes. to me. It's like my, it's, it's how I life. grew up. Right. It's like, it's like, it was my, like, that's my life, you know? And it's, it to them, it's like, a jo- it's almost like it's a joke. It's weird. It just feels strange to me. Well, it's trendy. It's very trendy. Everything in Austin is trendy. Whenever, (laughs) whenever how you like all the important things of your upbringing become a trend, it's very annoying. I get it. Very annoying. Funny enough, though, we're getting married in Austin. (laughs) Well, of course we are. I always knew I'd get married in Austin. It makes the most sense. I didn't. That was not on my list of places to get married. Well, it's easy for everybody. My friends that are in Dallas, Houston, and your family. My family who's in North Texas, and then your all your friends are gonna have to fly in anyways, unless we got married here. Yeah. Even then, they all have to fly in. They're all over the country. And then my dad and brother. Yeah. I don't have any other family that we're inviting. <laughs> my love is so easy. <laughs> yeah. My family's a pain in the ass. But yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm glad we've ended up out here. And Golden's super cool mm. and it's small. So great. Yeah. You know, it's like if I have to go to Denver, I can, but like also it, Whole Foods like- is 12 minutes away. But also, once you come up our mountain, I feel so isolated in a great way. Yeah. But you also have access to it. Like we can go and drive to get coffee in 15 minutes, which we do, you know, three times a week together. Which is nice. I throw on, especially when I'm in the morning and I'm kind of in a funk, I just throw on like a Tim Dillon podcast and like just, crew, you know, just like laugh and yeah. go get a coffee. And It's so beautiful. And it's, you know, it's funny. I noticed this about our coffee shop and other places we go. This is a th- small town thing that I'd kind of forgotten about. What? It's fucking high school kids that work at these yes, places. It's, all it's like, high that's who it's a minimum wage high school kids working at coffee shops and restaurants and these places. I'm like, that's how it's supposed to be. This is like supposed to be like, you're not supposed to be like a 35 year old. It's like, this is, that's a city thing. Yes. When you live very in, like, that's very much like, because you go to like my grocery store in my hometown. It's like everybody who's back in groceries is like 16 years old. That's like their first job. Yeah. yeah it was my, it was my, do. it was my first like technical real, like on the, on the paper job. I worked oil and gas construction. So like mm-hmm. not until I was 17 or 16 did I have to start filling out paperwork because technically I wasn't legal. Right. Like we would work $10 an hour. It was child labor. Yeah. It was like, but it was like, it was working. It was, but it was working for my family. Yeah. It's so it was like, I was going with my granddad. And like, oh, I worked. My parents owned a postal store in Marietta. And I was working in there at like 10 years old doing the cash register. So, but can you I imagine like kid, kids in kids in cities can't get like these starter jobs, you know? Mm-mm. And it's one of the things whenever not to, we're not going to make this politics related at all, but it's like people when they, it's, I think it's one of the biggest disconnects in our country is like, that's a reality where I grew up. It's a reality kind of in golden or these yeah. smaller cities or, you know, Pueblo or even Colorado Springs, probably like there's this, that's like, that's a, that's the world that they live in. It's like, why can't people in the cities be like this? And the people in like, in the cities are like, why can't people in the rural areas be like this? And it's like, you don't like, you aren't, you're, you're more different than most countries are mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like this, the difference between like LA and where I grew up is more different than the difference between most countries in the UK, you know? Yeah. Like Scotland and England are more similar than in LA in my hometown. Oh, that's for sure. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's weird. Yeah. So it's just a strange, it's, just, it's, it's, it's fun to like live back out in this kind of reality. Although, you know, the city is close and mm-hmm. it's nice. I know it's so great. We're so country folk now. We are country folk. I want to go back because when I said on Instagram that we got engaged, I got some questions from people like, why do you believe in marriage? You guys have a monogamous relationship. Why is this something that you're doing? I would love to talk about that with you because I think it's just, it's interesting. We do have an unconventional dynamic 
But the funny thing is you and I are extremely traditional in a lot of ways. And you've talked about getting married and having kids and doing this whole thing since we we first started dating. And that's something that's always been really important to me. So what has your thought process been around the importance of marriage? And I know you mentioned like being nervous and like fuck marriage. So no, I mean, I don't think I don't want to sit here and be like preaching family values and the importance of marriage. I think for us. Like for us, it, there is a lot of incentives to getting married, like just pragmatic, legal right? Legal like and tax. Legal, you know, if we're doing investment properties, we have our other house that we've moved out of that's going to be a rental property, like that, all that stuff. Like if something were to ever happen, you know, like we're about to do IVF, like there's just, it's just one of those things where it's like, it makes way, it makes like, there's one thing I I looked at when I was younger in my twenties, it's like this contract seems meaningless, right? I owned nothing. I had a business. But like it was, it, it's never, it never made sense. And even like, yeah, when I was dating Amanda, you know, well, I guess we'll use a real name. No one knows who the hell it is. Or maybe you do. I don't know. Yeah. But she was amazing. Right. And it was like, even then it was like, I was probably 25, 26 and or 27 maybe even, but it was like, it just seemed so, it didn't make sense to me. It makes sense to me now. I get it now. It's like, okay, you're going to have like, it makes sense for your, like to have a prenup and to have like, this is what we had before we got married. This is what we have after we got married. Like it's a lot, there's a lot more moving parts where I was like, at that point in my life, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I don't even have anything. I'm like, you know, yeah, you're I have a kid. debt. Do you want some of my debt? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I just started a business. Like that's how it goes. Um, it just didn't make sense. Now it makes way more sense. And I don't think, you know, there's like stability pieces, but at the same time, it's really just the continuation of your relationship. It's not like, oh, now we're engaged or now we're married. And like things obviously change. It feels like a different type of commitment, but like it just is a continuation of the same type of relationship that we've put together. Yeah. Of course, when we have kids, things change. Like things will always going to change. If we were married or not, if we had kids, things are going to change. It doesn't matter. That's kind of my, it just makes more sense. But that's also why I get really frustrated when people like, and people have done this numerous times. I don't know if you've had this. It's like, when I talk about people getting married young and how that's, I feel like that's a, a ba- generally speaking, more often than not, not a great, not a great plan, right? People get upset, and I'm like, why? I get really frustrated. Because a lot of people get married young. I know, but it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's cool for you. And I know a lot of people like my. I have friends that got married. Super, I was in two weddings when I was 21 years old, mm-hmm. right? So like that's super young, and I think they're both great. But in Graham, that's normal. I know it is more normal, but I'm saying like. But there are people who want their kids to get married like before, like they put that pressure on people. To because do that. that's past, that's generational shit. I understand. But it's like, you can take a second step back and be like, hey, maybe this isn't, this isn't 1940. Like that made sense. In 19, so say it was, it was 1972. You would own a home by the time you were 28 and it would cost you $60,000. Yeah. And now you know? that's not And you possible. would have a 30 year mortgage and your, your, uh, your, your mortgage would be like, um, 600 bucks. <laughs> you know, it's like a different, you know, and it would be, and at that same time, a one income household could survive. Right. That's not how it works anymore. No. That's not how this goes. Was, was it you or maybe it was a show you were listening to, but they said that Gen Z will, or maybe, yeah, Zoomers. Maybe, Z will never own a home. Like they will well, never own homes like because they won't thing, have wealth or savings or anything. When you talk about, when you talk about like the great reset, that's just kind of like happening naturally in certain ways because baby boomers, baby boomers have fucked us up. They fucked us all so bad. Whether it be the, the regulations they made when it came to food, like that's where a lot of processed food came from was that generation. Fuel emissions were that generation. They are hoarding homes now. Right. And now we have, if you have people like us who are like, okay, well, let's start investing in property because that's more stable. But most people don't have the ability to do that. That's a right. very like, privileged position to be in. So what we're seeing now is usually at this point, 
where the boomers are as a generation, they would start selling their homes off and moving into smaller downsizing, moving to Florida, doing these, you know, what older people do, like, like get a condo on the beach and like kind of live out the last 10, 15, 20 years of their life, like in a more relaxed, like retired. They're not doing that now. And that's really strange. It's a, it's a different shift and that's going to fuel another housing crisis very potentially. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's a really weird situation. We're in a very weird economic position, but millennials and Gen Z, if you look at the amount of wealth that they own, it's a fraction of what boomers owned and, and, um, and Gen X, like my parents' generation, they own way, they owned way more like assets. And it was, and I think it was something like they owned like baby boomers when they were our age owned 40% of the nation's wealth. Wow. And we own like 6%. That's crazy. <laughs> and it's because a lot of other things happen, right? Like credit got expanded. You know, now like we live in a nation of credit. There's more, there's not enough cash in circulation to pay off all the debt that is owed. Right. Like between the national and personal. I think it's, I think that may even be just personal debt and business debt, not even the national debt that's like a bajillion That's why this dollars. is a fucking game. It's just monopoly. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> and then you have people crying about deficits, but we'll Anyways. leave that alone. Um, <laughs> so my take on marriage is for me, Connor and I are building a life together and I always thought I would be married with kids by 25 and doing the white picket fence thing. Same. Obviously that didn't happen. I was engaged for those of you who don't know this. I have been engaged before at 25 years old and that was never going to happen, but it was just kind of where we were and it was a really interesting situation, but I really thought that that would be where I was. And now I know that I'm building a life with you. I want to have children with you. We have a business together. We have homes together. I felt like it made sense from a legal perspective. If anything ever happened, like you said, I wanted us to both be taken care of and make sure everything is in line because I've just watched how that doesn't happen and shit falls apart. I also love you so much and I want to be your wife and it feels good to me and it feels like growth. It feels expansive. It feels really right. And with that as at the same time, my beliefs around marriage before was this sense of ownership. Like you're my husband now I own you and this is what we're doing. Well, you and, are my property technically. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, now it's, we're committing and it's a very intense commitment and we're going to have babies, which is also a very intense commitment. And at the same time, I don't sit here and think this is my person forever because I said so. Right. Just because we're stepping into marriage doesn't automatically mean this is forever. We've watched every, everyone we know almost get divorced throughout our lives. And it's a lot. And I understand that. I also feel that you and I have done so much work to get to this point. We're getting married almost three years into our relationship and we have gone through so much. One of those things being a pandemic. Um, <laughs> so there's that. Um, and the pandemic either broke people up or made them closer. And I'm really fortunate that it brought us closer. And at the same time, me losing my mom, us losing Remy, those things also brought us closer. And as much as we fought and had really hard times, and sometimes it felt like a roller coaster and we didn't know what we were doing, we have gone through therapy together. We have gone through some of the hardest things I think we'll ever, I hope we'll ever go through in our lives. And we have come out on the other side closer with more respect, more communication, more intimacy, more connection, more love for one another. And 
to me, building a foundation for a marriage on that feels really good. I knew after Remy died and everything we went through that you were my person. And I told myself, I want to marry this man. Like this is my person. And going through something so hard and watching the way someone shows up for you, not everyone gets that opportunity. And I don't wish death on anyone and that grieving process. But at the same time, it was such a gift because we learned so much about each other. And I think we were able to create something that most people aren't. So I feel really like positive and amazing. And just, this feels normal. I'm like, yeah, we're planning a wedding and yeah, we're doing this. It just all feels really normal. I feel like we've done this a million times. Um, and I don't know what that is, maybe some past life shit, but (laughs) it just feels really good. And so I lean into things that feel really good. And at the same time, I've also been getting scared too, because it's getting really real. We just had the call with the lawyers to do our prenup. We're two months out. You know, everything is pretty much planned for the wedding. And I'm like, oh shit, like I'm actually getting married. I'm 33 years old. I'm getting married. And then we're going in to start our IVF journey. And it's a little scary. It's like, (laughs) whoa, you know that when something happens that you've thought about your whole life and then all of a sudden it's there and you're like, oh shit, this is, is happening. And so it's been, it's been kind of a mind fuck in that way. Cause I'm like, am I adult enough to do this? <laughs> yeah. It trips me out. The idea of having know. getting married doesn't trip me out, but being, having a wedding trips me out for whatever reason, like doing yeah. the whole thing and have people there. I think it's, it's weird when people like, I think about it now and it's like, I don't like when people sing happy birthday to me and stuff like that. Like Which I like attention. I, do it. I like attention for sure. Obviously. Wait, I do you this. do? Yeah. But it's like that, that type, like that type <laughs> of stuff is like, contrived attention like if i was like if i if i was being like honored at a thing you know at like a banquet or some shit like that would be fair, like just be, be by myself when i was on teams and stuff it, it wasn't it was like fun but like if it's just me and it's like everybody like I, that makes me super uncomfortable so you're gonna freak out when you have to say your vows no i'll be fine i'll figure it out but it's just like it, it thinking about it makes me uncomfortable yeah it's funny but it, it'll be fun it'll I'm be excited. fun we're gonna have a good time with it i'm excited so I know that a lot of people, because we haven't done this show in a long time, have asked like, what's going on, especially now that we're engaged and moving forward, what's going on with dating other people and Roxanne and all of that. Um, And so we're not going to get deep into all of that, but we are not dating Roxanne anymore. Um, That ended a few months ago. And it's been really interesting for me as we have kind of progressed in the last few months of our relationship have been so amazing. I feel like we've gotten so much closer and there's been so much more intimacy and our sex life is bomb. <laughs> um, just saying. And I realized something that I shared with you a couple weeks ago is part of being with women for me, I think in, in the beginning, especially was filling this void of intimacy, which I didn't know I had until a month ago. I didn't realize how much of that I was missing. And I felt like you and I didn't have the depths of intimacy that I really craved. But in being with other people and being held by other women, which I talk about all the time, not only healed my relationship with women and this idea of sisterhood and being held by women and seen by women and really accepted, it also in the process brought you and I so much closer together. And so the the intimacy within our own relationship just skyrocketed. And so I'm at this place now where I feel weird because before it was, I need to do this thing and it's so important. Oh my God, girls. And I was like a teenage boy, but now I feel like my intimacy cup is so full 
that it's not something I crave the way I did before because I really like being with you. I really like what we have on our own. And I not only feel the intimacy, but the actual sex itself has gotten like so much better. Not that it was ever bad, but it's just the more intimate you intimacy you have, the more connected you are, the, the more opportunities are to do different things, just the two of you, you know, it's not like we're relying on someone else to bring in novelty into our relationship. I feel like we have more of that on our own now. So it's been like this really interesting discovery process over the last few months. And it also feels really healthy and, you know, it goes in waves and so that's kind of where we are. Do you want to add anything to that? No, I think it's been really interesting. I mean, I've been so busy doing other things. <laughs> no, yeah. like, no, I mean, but it's still fun and it's different. It's just a different, which is, it just evolves as we've changed. You totally. Know? You're more like, make this happen. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. But it hasn't really happened in a while. And it's not like there's a lot of pressure to make. It's like, there's not a lot of pressure on it at all. No, it's like if something happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, that's fine too. Yeah. But I think part of that is the quality of life we have out here. And our connection and the happiness within ourselves as individuals and relationship, not that we were reliant on someone else to fix us because we definitely were very conscious about not doing that, but it also feels like we've evolved into a much healthier, fuller place in our lives. And so that is something that doesn't need to be this thing we have to do. It's this, it's in addition when it feels good. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be a stressful thing and it doesn't have to be something that's filling a void. It truly is coming from a place of we are full and we have this to bring something else. Well, yeah. And it, it's an energetic investment too. And so I have other things that I need to like, I've got to diversify my investment portfolio out here doing different things and building a gym and whatever and getting myself in shape. And I mean, there was not much that was going to be done uh, in that realm in September anyways. So, and we're coming up on September rapidly. Yeah. I cannot wait for. I'm so excited. I know. So we are planning to start our IVF at the end of the year. So I think I'm going to go on hormones in November and then we're hoping to get pregnant sometime in the beginning of next year. And I had this thought yesterday because lockdowns are coming back to California. Not, and we don't live in California, but you know, we see it progress like New York passport, California passport, all of the midwives and doulas are being kicked out of the hospitals in, in LA. Um, I don't know about the rest of California, LA sucks, but it just got me thinking because I feel like we are entering into the last year and a half is one thing. I think we're entering into something else so different and so much more intense and really fucked up. And I, I feel like the next couple years minimum are going to be such a shit show in terms of needing passports to travel, the segregation and separation of people, whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. And I don't know, but for me, I asked you and I said, we need to have a conversation around if we want to bring a child into this. I think a lot of people are going to have that conversation and choose not to. Yeah. And I was there before, like during the pandemic, which is why we pushed off getting pregnant. We had this conversation on New Year's Day and we decided we actually had been holding back from one another. We both said, we don't want to do this right now. So we pushed it off. And now I'm kind of like, I don't know how I feel. I don't know enough. We were talking about, will we be mandated to get a vaccine to go through IVF? And then we talked about doing it in Texas instead of here for that reason. So I don't know. I I would love to hear your thoughts on this because it's just not something I had been thinking about. I'm like, oh, we're getting married. We're having kids. And now I'm really questioning given the new 
laws that are coming down. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, we got to, you know, if we make it about us, like I think what you're going to see is, is one medical segregation. Yeah, of course. But like, it's going to be like states still maintain a lot of control over what happens in a state airlines and stuff like that. There's less, but it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I think what's going to happen. I'm hoping that not much happens between now and 2022 because as unfortunate as it is to say, as someone who's like left of center politically, the Republicans need the house and the Senate back and they'll just block everything. Like none of that stuff will happen from a national level because mm. that, that's so unpopular within their base. And it's not even the funny thing about this whole, this whole situation is that it's not just like, I get a lot of people and I do a lot of, I talk about this a lot. And of course there's like a certain type of person who follows my stuff and I know what videos do well. And they typically have to do with being anti a certain thing, um, whether it be mandates or something like that. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? So People that ha are like, yeah, I'm vaccinated or whatever. And it's like, but these mandates are absurd. And you have people in the UK like burning their vaccine cards in, in solidarity with people who were like, this is, uh, this is inappropriate. You have everybody being like, listen, you either had a chance to ha get it you or you, ha or you got it or you're not going to. I mean, it's like if, as long as everybody has the opportunity, we're kind of we're kind of done with it. And that's how that's like the most pragmatic stance that's where most people are across the political spectrum. Now you'll have people being like, what's well, the radical left and this other shit. Which, yeah, maybe there's some truth to that. But at the end of the day, this is about authoritarianism, not like Democrat, Republican. This is about control. And there's a lot of stuff going on there. And I don't want to be, I'm not talking about conspiratorially, but I think there's understanding that there's a certain level of, and I when I say control, I don't mean control over the population as much, even though that's, you know, we have a free-ish country here and a democracy-ish, is that we control much of the geopolitical interactions that happen around the world. Okay, so we are a the global superpower as the United States. Now, how, what have we done with that? Do we deserve to be that? I would argue no. Um, I think there was enough stuff that we've done. You know, how many millions of civilians do you need to kill before you are a tyrannical leader? But then again, China is next, <laughs> right? And that's unavoidable. So the really only way that we can compete with some some place like China is to institute a fuck ton more government control in the same way that they do. Because if you look at their situation and how they're growing so fast, even though they do have the largest income inequality in the world, they make ours look silly because you have rice farmers then like Shanghai, right? Is it Shanghai and China? Yeah. So it makes sense if you want to compete on the global stage that the only way to really do that is to apply more authoritarianism to your capitalism because authoritarianism and capitalism together actually work really, really well. When you decide who succeeds, what succeeds, how much money is made, all that kind of stuff, like it's actually a pretty robust system. It, it, it's anti-competitive. It's anti-American in very many ways, but it's like, it's effective at gaining power. Mm -hmm. And when power becomes your currency, well, we're all kind of fucked. And it's a weird deal. And it's, it, it, you know, I, I, and this is kind of an off the wall thing and I'm kind of going down the rabbit hole here, but I don't think the United States needs to exist in its current form. And I think we're headed towards that way. If you think that this is going to be a, that big of a thing, how long till Texas is like, fuck you guys. I'm out. Yeah. Governor Abbott is well now. Texas, Texas can't, Texas has a clause in an agreement with the United States. They can still secede. Oh really? Yes. And Texas runs a balanced budget. Texas, like we're a lot of States, right? Like if you look at the, like the East coast, like New York, New York, is, yeah. New York, the taxes from New York, the federal taxes from New York's goes to fund, right? The same thing in California, California taxes, federal taxes fund poorer States, right? So these other States like in the, on the East coast, they survive all, most of their programs are run off a lot, a lot of New York money. Cause there's more people, a lot more money in New York. So Texas doesn't need that. Texas runs a balanced budget. They don't have a deficit. So they can just bounce tomorrow. 
and everything would be fine. It would be the Republic of Texas. That's it. Like what? That's, there's nothing stopping them from doing that. And th- you just keep do- playing this fucking game. That's exactly how it's going to go. And, and you're going to see, I mean, you're going to see a, and this is one thing that like, we just know we have a lot of like uh, liberal, more liberal followers and listeners of this podcast, which is great. You're going to see a red wave like never before in 2022. Yeah. The, I, the, even though Biden or whoever fills in for him is going to be president, you're going to have a supermajority in probably the house and the Senate. See, people are tired of this. It doesn't matter where they're at. Like people that represent the left, the real left are like, this is fucking absurd. That's not going to get people out to like vote. So it's like, we almost need to be like rooting for that as, as awkward as that is because a stalemate at this point from the federal government is a better place to be mm-hmm. in my opinion. So with all of that, bringing children into this world, well, but it's I mean, like get Connor back. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. But it, so bringing children into this world, it's like, you just got to kind of ride the winds is what's going to happen. I think it's going to be fine. You know, I think but it's going to get when? weird. I think, I mean, I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's ever going to be fine weird. again, but well, I, well, I don't think for the next four, five years, the best thing that can fucking happen, the best thing that can happen for all, all these things included, because this is like our lives, lives of kids is fucking non-compliance. That's it. And they keep doing this shit in like incremental steps, right? It's like, okay, COVID pretty bad, whatever. Now Delta variant, not that big of a deal. But now it's a huge thing. Now it's like, okay, when that gives us an excuse to do all these mandated vaccines, now we're having seated about like the microchip that detects viruses in your body that the, at the fucking Pentagon, the Pentagon scientist, it's like, it's like not even a joke. It's not like, it's not like they're under the facade of some like Pentagon front pharmaceutical company, which exists, right? It could be any of them or any biotech company that's actually a front for the CIA. No, it's, you want a Pentagon ship in your body? Like that's, but when, when do people draw the line and go, like, oh no, that's too much. Well, you're going to have people, iPhone. you're going to have fucking assholes on Twitter being like, chip me daddy. Like, give it to me. I can't wait. I want to know. I want to, I want to be able to sync to my iPhone and be able to see like what viruses I have in my body. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's not even what it's That's a great for. way to be like neurotic and anxious as fuck. It's like, it's crazy. So like, you don't know, you're not a, it's like, it's like, I don't even trust people with WebMD, much less biological information that's going on inside their body that they're not going to understand. Like the whoop is, is enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's crazy. So, I mean, I think it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be fine, but there's going to be, I mean, you got to keep in mind that like, it's likely hope, hopefully this isn't the case, but that our kids will live a different life than other kids and they will have a much different reality than other kids will. Well, I just see this as we're going to be homesteading and we're going to get chickens and have a garden and we're homeschooling our kids. And it's just going to be way different because I just don't, I don't see how we go back to what it was. And I don't see, I just don't see how in the next 10 years, it's what we thought it was going to be. I think there's so much more control. We're not you and I, and a lot of the people we know, and probably many of these listeners aren't going to be able to travel and go into places. And so it's going to be such a different life and you have to be okay with, and even home birth. I was talking about, we're probably going to have to do a home birth, which I wanted to do a natural birth in a birthing center. And I don't even know if that's going to be possible. I mean, right. But you got like, you got you've got these certain hippie paradises, which are really weird. The hippie paradises like Boulder right now mm-hmm. are strange because you have like very little adherence to what's going on in the yoga community, for example, or just like the, the spiritual community in, at large. It's like people are like, no, I don't want to do this. Right. A lot of our friends are like that. Like, I'm not, I'm not interested in this shit. Right. But you also have like, that's the most liberal slash progressive areas. Mm-hmm. So you have this like rift there. Split, yeah. Yeah. Where it's like compliance versus non-compliance. 
And it's very interesting to see that. Like his boulders doing some vax requirements to go places and things like that. But I mean, it's just weird. I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's interesting to me because I was thinking like, well, maybe I'm just like, we're part of the downfall of humanity. Like, that's fine. You know, I mean, it was going to happen at some point. Like it's happened numerous times before, mm-hmm. you know, it's either we fuck it up ourselves or nuclear war or an asteroid or massive flooding. Like there's all kinds of crazy stuff. And we're on the precipice of a lot of it, right? Like climate change causing, and people don't really like pay attention to the climate change. But if it does, if it is say like there's a 20% chance that it's real, that's enough to eat. That, that's enough to like be cautious because what that does is displaces millions and millions of people that will have to be now be essentially refugee, climate change refugees. Mm-hmm. Where the fuck are they going to go? What are, what's going to happen with that? Like it's just crazy. There's like all this fall. It's like we're on the edge of this. And you have like tensions rising between us and China, which is not healthy at all. You have and I, like, I don't know who would win that war that went hot. Like China has fucking concentration camps, right? Like your Nikes come from slave labor. Let's keep that in mind. So like, do you think that their moral compass is like, we won't fucking blow a city up? Do you think they really give a fuck? No. You know, and then the United States, same thing. Like how many fucking, you think that we're like some kind of like Captain America bullshit? No. Like, you know how many, a million civilians in the Middle East have died in the last 10 years? Drone strikes killed 90% civilians. And the person who exposed that drone strikes killed 90% civilians, instead of being praised as a whistleblower and protected, he got praised in prison now. And I doubt he'll make it out of there alive, just like Jeffrey Epstein didn't. So it's like, do you think that anybody's on a fucking moral high ground here, that this thing all couldn't go to shit? If you think that that's the case, then you're fucking naive. But you got to keep your head on straight and like be grounded about how you're going to approach this. And I'm like totally prepared to homeschool my kids. They're going to have me have a different reality. And then we have like when they're five instead of like whatever, like this is how you kill a chicken. Like, I don't you know what I mean? Like, I don't know so what the you fuck f- to do. You feel totally confident and fine having a kid. Somebody's got to do it. But we also have the resources, man. Can you imagine like you right. have this pandemic who makes a bunch of people fucking poor. They lose their jobs. Right. And then they don't have a choice but to comply to just like live a normal fucking life, you know? And if you look at the way that this is, I mean, talk about segregation on a, on a racial level, the lowest adherence to vaccines is the black community, 30%, 30 some odd percent. So what you're saying when, when Don Lemon goes on CNN, it's like, well, if you don't get the vaccine, you can't go to work, can't go to the grocery store. I'm like, so you're saying 60% of black people can't go to work. 60% of black people can't go to the grocery store. Why is the black community not getting vaccinated? Because they've been fucked by the federal government for since the beginning. Do you think that the, the United States has been kind to black people? Do you know what the Tuskegee experiments were? No. You don't know about the Tuskegee experiments. Okay, uh-uh. so this happened. I don't know what the dates were. I'll have to look it up. So what they did was they took the black community, poor black community in the South, right? So this is like former slave area, right? The South. There was a syphilis outbreak. And what they would do with these people would offer, offer them free health care but didn't disclose that these people had syphilis and just let it, it let it fester in their body to see what would happen. And they're allegedly were even giving people syphilis, but they were giving them free healthcare to like, it, so they were monitoring all these black people and how they were, they were using them as test subjects. Wow. Yeah. Just Google the fucking Tuskegee experiments. There's a fucking podcast. I think Wondery did a whole podcast on it. It's one of the most, and this is like in the, like sixties. Yeah, so not even ago. that long ago. This is so fucked up. So right? they don't, you're saying they don't trust the government. Why would they? Got it. I didn't know if it was like, they're not getting access or it's what? a bunch of things, but it's like, they just. I mean, it's like, why would, you know, and a lot of people too. So say you get the vaccine, right? Okay. Say you're a single mom, you know, and there's a lot of single black mothers out there. You get the vaccine, but your work doesn't offer paid time off mm-hmm. and you have vaccine side effects as many people do. And they have to be out of work for a couple of days. Who is somebody paying for that? Right. Cause that's three days worth of work that you're missing. One to get the vaccine to, and no one, no one's covering that. The federal government's not covering that situation. So like, of course, like what, it makes sense. You know, it's like one, 
right, and the thing about it is, it pisses me off too, is these goddamn institutions think that they f- somehow deserve our trust. Like you think a fucking pharmaceutical company who is telling us that literally same same situation, same numbers, there is a 99% chance that you will not be addicted to Oxycontin. That is a fucking quote from an Oxycontin ad, right? That had real life testimonials in it, like six or seven of them. You know how many of those people died? How many? All but one. Oh, jeez. From Oxycontin overdoses. And you want me to trust these motherfuckers? Like, well, that's the biggest thing. It's like, I don't trust them. And then you give them a liability shield. So if something were to happen, God forbid something were to happen, I'm left holding the fucking bag. These guys are making, you, you gave them $6 billion and then said, oh yeah, and if there is something that happens, which does happen, it's rare. I mean, because if you get the vaccine, you're probably going to be fine. If you don't, you're probably going to be fine. Unless you have some kind of underlying health condition or you're obese or something. You're going you're gonna to not make them accountable. I'm pro accountability. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're a business, if somebody, if there's a, if there's a mine and the fucking cable breaks on the elevator and, and a bunch of miners die, I think those families should be taken care of. If you work on an oil and gas well and it explodes and you die, I think your family should be taken care of because that company's making bajillions of dollars. Now, if it's a local small business and something happens, like a box falls on you or something, there's probably a place for the federal government to step in there and help your family out because that's an accident. And that com- that company probably doesn't have the margins of fucking. Well, that's mer- why you have insurance or- and workers comp. Exactly. Though. Yeah. But workers' comp is trash. Well, I've been yeah. on it before. It sucks for medical stuff. Uh-huh. But like, we got the situation here where it's like, you just gave these months. It's like, they put, I was like, I was con- I was kind of considering it until that liability shield. And I'm like, absolutely fucking not. No. At, when, when a company that is questionable at best, they pass way more pharmaceuticals than they ever had. When we had H1N1, they passed Tamiflu, which does not a goddamn thing. Not a fucking thing. Tamiflu doesn't do shit. Tamiflu does the same thing that vitamin C does. Maybe shortens your symptoms by a day or two. Doesn't make you less contagious. Doesn't do a goddamn thing. But you got pushed through an emergency authorization act during H1N1, the swine flu. And it's just, it was sitting around doing nothing, not, not having good clinical trials until swine flu happened. It's like, oh, let's push this thing through. Now we make bank. Now it's 60 bucks a pop. It costs 20 cents to make. So crazy. Bada bing, bada boom. So it's like, what the fuck? Why the fuck would I have anything to do with these assholes mm-hmm. at all? But you're right. I think that's the scary part is we are privileged and we can, you know, sit on our Super high horse and live lucky. in the mountain mountains and run our company from home and homeschool our kids if we want. Well, that's why I get super frustrated with all of these, my anti-vaxxer friends who are like hardcore and like anti-vax. Like I'm, I'm like, which we would like to clear up. Connor and I are not anti-vax at all right now. If I had to just, de- if I had a child and I had to decide I would do a schedule, they would not get every vaccine, but I would do a schedule and break it up and they would get the ones that we decided collectively made the most sense, but not all 160 of them or whatever. Listen, if I did, if I, if I didn't let my kids do everything that had a 0.01 chance of killing them, they would be, they would have the most miserable fucking lives. Yeah. They live in a bubble. Talk about riding dirt bikes, riding bicycles, hiking, swimming, snowboarding, skiing, uh, tubing, like being on a fucking boat at all, any kind of boat at all, anywhere jumping off, like jumping in the water. Like there's so many, climb a tree, like play on a playground. Every one of those things has a, has more of a chance of killing your child than COVID does. And like, that's part of it. You know, it, it's just, it's part of fucking life. And I don't understand why people are so risk averse. I just, it doesn't, it, I don't have that in me. Well, we've had fear instilled in us for so long. Yeah. And well, then now become, they're using it as leverage and blackmail well, they, and they, hostage they, situations. They leverage empathy too. It's like, it's about protecting other people. And I'm like that, right. n- none of that logic. If you have that conversation with somebody, none of that so logic. So my mind up. was blown. Call me stupid, whatever. 
This whole stop the spread thing, by the way, this is not how I thought the show was going. So apologies if this we is are. not what you're here we're for. At, we're, at, we're, at, we're after the first hour, so things get weird now. Stop the spread. I get the vaccine to protect my grandma, blah, blah, blah. Okay, the vaccine doesn't stop the spread. It doesn't make it less infectious. It doesn't keep you from giving it to someone else. And if you have the vaccine, you also can get COVID, which we're seeing all over the place. That is not how they sold it, though. No. So it was like this quiet thing that i mean they're now very open about it it's like well of course you're gonna get covid but if every, you have the vaccine everyone knew it's that like, they, what but th- here's the thing too and this is something that of course the hub of misinformation on in the whole world that, that that liberal media hates is joe rogan talks about this and he's got a bunch of leverage and we should be all grateful if you're into this for, for rogan because yeah. we'll have these discussions and you got people like sam harris who's like very pro-vaccine like you're an entity if you don't get it and you have brett weinstein another like intellectual dark web guy who is very skeptical of the thing, right? And has had those kind of conversations and they've had it out about it. Like you have seen people who were super close and aligned, like tearing each other apart in a certain way. But just in the same way that we have like um, MRSA, right? Antibiotic resistant staph infections. That's because you use antibiotics to fight staph, right? It doesn't kill all of the staph though. So then you end up evolving the staph infection to resist antibiotics, which can fucking kill you. In the same way that if you have a vaccine that doesn't kill the virus, that can actually create strains of the virus that are resistant to the vaccine. So that's normal. That's like, that's fucking science. That's normal. And you won't find that information anywhere. Whereas it probably is better to treat it like a flu and get it and get the natural immunity from it for two or three years, then get it again. And then you now have, essentially you're updating your fucking immunity software to, to I'm like, give me, give me the first variant, give me the fucking Delta variant and the next one. So it's like, I, at least I, I, my responsibility now is like, take vitamin D, get like, be fucking healthy, make sure my lungs are healthy, make sure I'm in shape, make sure I'm taking care of myself, getting good at plenty of sleep. Like that's going to do more for you than any vaccine is going to do, but no one had that conversation. Now, if the federal government would have said, Hey, here's some health guidelines that are not pharmaceutical and don't stand to make anybody any money unless you're selling zinc or some shit, uh, do this. And also get the vaccine if you feel like that's right for you. Then they'd have some credibility, but there's no credibility there because they didn't even bring that shit up one time. You have to like, and that stuff gets censored. If I say, hey, the healthier your lungs are, the more likely you are to survive this thing, even if you're whatever, like it doesn't matter if you're, even if you're overweight or something like that. If you're, you can be overweight and have, and be in good aerobic conditioning, mm-hmm. right? Like think about any offensive lineman in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like amazing shape, 350 pounds. So I think there's a way to be like, hey, the best thing you can do is like treat your body right, treat your body better. But there's a huge industry of making people fat. Fat people are consumers. Our economy is based on fat people. Uh, our economy doesn't exist in the way it does without without hyperconsumption. And so that's that that impacts the bottom line. You know, if you start to villainize Coca-Cola, well, that Coca-Cola lobby is ve- the sugar lobby. I call it is very powerful. Yeah. What's the other one that makes all the, like the Twinkies and shit? Um, oh yeah. I know who you're talking about. But it's all, that's like that. It's all, it's like Coca-Cola, PepsiCo. They all own, it's like four companies Yeah, and they have a ton of sway. They have as much sway as the fucking pharmaceutical industry. So well, there's a lot of forces. They're highly here. invested into pharmaceuticals and vice versa. Yes. So now, like, think about that. Think about how much money's made off of cancer and heart disease. Right. And, and if there was actually like some way to fix that, which there is in a lot of ways, just by health, just being healthy, that hurts bottom lines and cash rules everything around us. You know, something that has been really bothering me lately is we talk about clean beauty and clean household products. And that's something that I've been talking about since I started my show over three years ago. And many of the women, especially in my community 
have had chronic illness and have had to, we call it cleaning up our routine. So getting rid of toxic cleaners like Windex and Clorox and getting rid of Mac makeup and Revlon because there's so many toxins in it that actually really affect your body and cause chronic illness to come forward. They cause chronic inflammation, all these things. If you are cleaning up your routine and you're getting rid of all of these beauty products and you're taking care of your body and you're getting rid of inflammation and all of these, I mean, there's hundreds of toxins in every single one of these bottles of mascara and everything. And then you get the vaccine. I have a hard time because it doesn't make sense to me. I understand people who feel the need to get the vaccine. I'm not judging you, but this is how I think of it. I think, well, if I'm not going to use toxic mascara because of all of the ingredients in it and all of the negative side effects and how it affects my hormones and could potentially keep me from getting pregnant and cause so much inflammation, how can I personally justify getting a vaccine that has many of the same ingredients and also causes so many side effects and can also kill me, maybe not actually kill me, but slowly kill me because of all the effects that happen in my body. That's where I am. And I I just have a really hard time. I'm like, this doesn't, this doesn't make sense in my head and maybe I'm missing something, but that's where I stand. I'm like, well, if I put so much effort and time into this thing, how can I flippantly go do this? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's like, know. it's hard. It's the same thing I said to our friend, Emily Stanwick yesterday, who has been very open about this. I'll actually link her Patreon in the, in the notes here. Cause she's sharing a ton of stuff there, but she and I were having a conversation around if you're pro choice, how can you be pro vaccine mandate? Yeah. My body, my choice. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. The whole, that's the thing that the conservatives are saying too, in a lot of ways, like, Oh, well, my, my, my body, my choice, like turning it around. I'm like, um, and it's, and, and the funny <laughs> thing is about all that. It's like, well, it's about another, it's about other people. And I'm like, so is the abortion debate. Exactly. It's the same. I mean, it's very similar. I mean, yeah. that's, cause maybe people don't see it that way. It's a lot of its perspective and we don't have actual hard data on that, but like, we don't really know much about consciousness, but it's like, it's very, it's a very similar conversation that people don't want to equate together. And it's really, really interesting. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, this is such a nuanced conversation. I think we also want to make clear we're not here to judge you or make you feel bad about your decisions. If you do feel that way listening to us, I I am sorry because that's not our intent at well, all. Like, like, let's just use an example here. Like our, our friend was over and he's from overseas and we were hanging out and he was like, yeah, we had, we both had to get vaccinated. Neither one of them wanted to. But he was like, I want my parents who are overseas to be able to see their granddaughter. Like it was like, and I was like, dude, I would probably do the same thing. Like you're just not like, not like you're just not going to go see your family. Right. Right. And other people like that. Like, it's like, I had somebody reach out to me the same type of deal. It's like, you know, her and her husband like live on different, you know, with the military and and it's like this whole thing. And it's like, you're just not going to see each other because it's like, it sucks. It's shitty, but sometimes it's a calculated risk and I totally understand. Or sometimes you just feel like it's the best thing to do. Like my mom works with, uh, my mom's one, she's in her fifties. And two, she works with elderly people. She is a home health nurse. Like that's what she does. I mean, she doesn't see that many client patients, but she probably sees four or five a week. And like, those are at risk people. And of course they should get vaccinated and it doesn't really stop transmission. So there's arguments there, but when she got it, it was like, of course she's going to get it because you know, she may actually be around people who can't get it. Mm-hmm. You can't get the vaccine, right? Or whatever it is. Like o- older people who have but some kind of autoimmune But issues. if it doesn't keep her from giving it to them, then what's the point? I don't, it, but we didn't know that at the time, right? Right. So it makes, but, but now it's like, I'm there, like, there are, there are, there are cases where I think like, if you're going to be in a nursing home, probably should be mandated, right? If you're going to work in a nursing home, it probably should. Right. And that there's a lot of that, that that's like a very, that's a very specific case. But not that, if you're going to work in a nursing not, home because it doesn't stop transmission. Kelly, I understand, but you got to be like pragmatic about this. Like that's just, that is a common sense 
thing. But that's not common sense to and me. That actually makes public, no sense to I me. I know, but you gotta you gotta play ball here. You can't be like it's not ever gonna be. But why would someone just because they work in a nursing home, if it doesn't stop transmission? I understand, and I agree with you. But at the same time, like that doesn't that's, line up. That's it. At least it's so it's more logical than most things that are happening. I totally disagree, but that's okay. It doesn't it doesn't matter. You get to do what's best for you. If you feel better and if you are less stressed and your quality of life is better because you get the vaccine, I support you. I support you. What I am asking everyone is to just ask better questions. That is the whole point of my whole life. My life's purpose is to ask better questions and bring people back to their own belief system, their own internal clock, voice, metrics, whatever you want to call it, to make decisions for yourself. If you do it because you feel like this is just what we do, then we're like herding sheep here. And I don't like that. I don't like people being controlled. I don't like people who are vulnerable being taken advantage of. I will fucking get on the top of a mountain and scream it for the rest of my life. I'm not okay with it. If it makes sense for you and you feel better about it, please, God, go do it. And to your point, there are so many people who do not have the privilege that we do, who are single moms, who are having to go to work. There's so many people who are being forced to get it or they're going to lose their jobs. Like I, I get that. And I, there's nothing I can say other than take care of yourself and do what's best for you and your family. Just please ask questions and please take care of yourself. That's where I am. I mean, it's weird, but yeah, having kids in this environment can be interesting and we'll see, we'll see where it goes. But I think at the end, like it's funny thing is though, it's like you became so politicized, which is actually a brilliant strategy. If we were all just like, no, like Rand Paul said this and you're going to see that. I know for all, for like all of you out there that are like Joe Biden voters, probably Hillary Clinton voters back at the time, like liberals, right? Like people I that think are like, they turned this show like, off 30 minutes. Yeah. Ago. <laughs> like vote blue, no matter who types you'd be surprised. The best thing you can do if that's your, if that's the, the political ideology that you want to win is not comply with this shit because it's going, it's, it's going to push this place in a very, very conservative direction and set the precedent, right? Set the precedent where like, oh, well, the White House gets to influence what's censored on social media. If you're okay with Biden doing that, then you got to be okay with Trump doing that or Ron DeSantis doing that or Rand Paul doing that, like whichever administration's next. And people don't think about it that way. It's like, well, you know, when you expand the executive powers of the executive branch because you like the president, well, that's not going to always be the case. And usually the next president's going to be an opposite ideology because that's how the pendulum swings. Mm-hmm. So you got to be okay with that person doing it. If you're okay with your president doing it, but not the other side's president doing it, then you're not okay with doing it. It's called being principled. It's a principled stance. And people don't fucking understand that. It's like you, what you're doing right now is hurting your own cause, right? Because people like me who I'm, I stay in this shit a lot. But I've still been pushed right on many things and it's, it's not helping anything at all. It's very weird mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's counterproductive and it's like your ideology will lose. And it's not because, you know, you're so virtuous and it's a bunch of anti, you know, anti-vaxxer Joe Rogan listeners. It's because people are like, no, 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 no. This is not how this works here, regardless of where you are politically. And the only people who are like going to be voting for Democrats in the next election are like people who live in cities who are super compliant, who are Twitter warriors. It's going to be embarrassing. It's going to be incredibly embarrassing because I'm going to come out. I'm going to, I don't do this. I have not done this since I was in college when I voted for uh, John McCain, right? <laughs> Ever since then. And yeah, I voted for McCain instead of Obama back in the day, but it's like, I'm going to come out and be like red as fuck just because I'm like, I'm done with this. And I've, and, and I'm talking about billionaire liberals, like the liberal class, the liberal intelligentsia saying the same fucking thing. 
And if they're saying that, just because, like, I want to mix it up. Mm-hmm. In California. Like, do you think fucking Polis is going to get reelected in 2023? Mm-mm. Like, no, 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 no. There's a lot of people in this state that are like, no way. And when you split Boulder and turn Boulder purple because of all this shit, like you gotta man- then you got to manufacture some other kind of event where now Democrats are the lesser of two evils. And they'll try and do that with their little October surprise or whatever it is. You're going to try and manufacture something where like, oh my God, this person's racist. Like, how long is that going to work? Right? It's the same thing as whenever, you, you know, conservatives used to be able to say that someone was communist and that would work. And now it's like, oh my God, whenever somebody says somebody's communist, I'm like, oh, like roll my eyes. Like that doesn't, it, that, the word doesn't even mean anything anymore. It's like, oh, this person wants free healthcare for everybody. So they're a communist. It's like, shut up. That doesn't make any fucking sense. God. Anyways, welcome, welcome to Politically Homeless. So <laughs> if you'd like to hear more of Connor's political takes, head on over to Politically Homeless, the best uh, politics podcast in all the land. Uh, he also has merch now. I'm going to give you a shameless shout out. Yay. His merch is bomb. We T-shirts, the, crop tops, The stickers. sweatshirts, I will say, are extremely cozy um, and soft. Have you worn mine before? No, but I felt it and I'm like, damn, that's nice. But everything's so cool. So I'm really excited and proud of you. Yeah. Babe. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming back on Okay Babe with me. Of course. Um, we just want to let you guys know this will be more consistent. Uh, our apologies, but thanks for holding out. Thanks for also all the messages saying, "When are you coming back? We miss the show." That means so much to us because we just ramble and there's there's really no um, point to the show other than we just like having these conversations and sharing them publicly with you. And we love you guys so much. So thanks for being here. Thanks for your questions. Please send any questions you have after listening to this for the next episode. We'd love to get to those. But yeah, thanks for hanging out. I'm expecting a couple of one star reviews after this episode. I I can't help it but go down the rabbit hole a little bit. We know. So sorry. Sorry, guys. We know. I can't keep it on the surface. Um, That was your warm up for your podcast. You're welcome. Shower and drink a little more coffee and get into it. I love you. Love you too, baby. Bye. Bye.